a financial plan requires planning. It's savings, RRSPs, investments, and planning for the unexpected. TD Term Life Insurance can help protect your family's financial future if you were to unexpectedly pass away. You can apply for TD Term Life Insurance online or over the phone by speaking to a licensed advisor. If you're under the age of 55, you could be approved for up to $500,000 of coverage without a medical exam. Conditions apply. TD Term Life Insurance is underwritten by TD Life Insurance Company. Visit tdinsurance.com slash termlife to learn more. Conservative infighting in Alberta came to a head last week when Jason Kenney's UCP caucus kicked out two of its members. The vote came after one MLA stepped down as chair of the caucus and told the Premier it was time to resign. But it's just the latest in attempts by MLAs to call out the Premier. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. Calgary Sun columnist Rick Bell joins me to discuss why the MLAs were booted, whether Jason Kenney is in deeper trouble with the party's base, and where the UCP goes next. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Rick, for people who are watching politics in Alberta, it's never a dull moment, but it was a really big day on Thursday. The UCP voted out two of its MLAs from their caucus. And I'm just hoping you can kind of lay the landscape for me. Why did it come to a point where... Drew Barnes from Southern Alberta and Todd Lowen from Northern Alberta get punted from the group. Well, they get punted from the group. In the case of Todd Lowen, he wrote a letter in which he basically cataloged quite truthfully a lot of the problems in the Kenny government, a lot of uh, problems with how they've handled files, how the premier doesn't listen, how there's a great division within the United Conservative Party which we can get into a little bit uh, later, Mm -hmm. how the grassroots are upset with Kenny, how, in fact, I think in Todd Lowen's mind, uh, if they retain Kenny as the leader, they may be uh, defeated by the NDP down the line. So there was this letter, and at the end of it, he says, you know, we did not unite around blind loyalty to one man. I'm asking you to resign so we can, you know, put Humpty Dumpty back together again, which is this sort of divided party when you ask the boss to resign, that's you know pretty serious. And Drew Barnes has spoken out on many issues over time, and I think that one was uh, not as much of a surprise, just because you know he's been in the news a lot. And in the past, as you saw, there were concerns about the COVID restrictions. There was the letter of it ended up being sixteen, the Sweet Sixteen, mm-hmm. uh, the MLAs who oppose a set of restrictions a few weeks back. So it was bound to come to a head at some point. I think a lot of people were surprised it came to a head this early. I had heard it might come to the head in the summer if we didn't have the to quote the premier, have the best summer ever, <laughs> Jason Kenney's summer of love. Yeah. Uh, if that didn't happen, you might see some agitation in the latter part of the summer. But I think they decided to go for it now, or at least Todd decided to make the move now. And Barnes, I think that was inevitable because that's been a running story for for months that he's been disgruntled. Two questions that people are going to ask is, is there more people? And we don't know. Mm-hmm. Are there more people in the UCP caucus who are unhappy with Kenny? Absolutely. Are there numbers more than just one or two? 
Absolutely. But whether they would leave, because these people didn't leave, they were thrown overboard. If other people leave to join them, we don't know. And I think the second question is, is Kenny actually going to listen? Or will he just think, these guys were pains in the butt, and uh, you know we got rid of them, and let's move on, everything's happy, happy. A lot of people contend Kenny is absolutely oblivious to any problems. I was told that after the vote to oust them, by the way, their Zoom connection was immediately cut off, mm-hmm. that he appeared despondent, the premier. Yeah. And some people suspect that means that the vote to oust these people was close. It wasn't a runaway. And that's amazing because they didn't vote by secret ballot. Yeah. They voted by text, which means everybody basically knows how everybody voted. And there were people who stood up at the caucus meeting and argued against the ouster of one or both of them. So that's why it took seven hours, I believe, Mm -hmm. a marathon to come to where they are. But I think the big issue now is, does Kenny take away anything from this? And number two, will there be in the hours, days, weeks ahead, more people either leave or are punted. One of the things that I found interesting about this is after the most recent restrictions were brought in, and as you say, the the Sweet 16, this group of MLAs who signed this letter that said, you know, we don't have enough evidence, you're not being transparent about these decisions, we don't think the lockdowns are necessary. Jason Kenney said, I believe in freedom of speech, and these people are free to represent their constituents, and I'm happy to have a healthy debate about public policy and all of these things. And then we get this letter from Todd Lowen late Wednesday, or early Thursday, and he runs through a laundry list of problems, some of them not related to the pandemic, the, you know, how Jason Kenney deals with the prime minister, the teachers, the doctors, the coal reserves, and all of a sudden it's like, ooh, this is pretty harsh. And he calls on the premier to resign, and then we get David B. Hansen and another MLA put out a, a statement on Facebook saying, I stand with you, Todd. You know, it's great to see you express this. And then the question is, okay, is he going to go? Was it that letter that sparked both of these ousters that Kenny up to a point was fine with dissent within the party, but as soon as you have a letter like Mr. Lowen's that calls on his resignation and you get another person come up and say, I support Mr. Lowen, that Kenny realizes he's got to do something, otherwise it could snowball. Well, it, part of that, and also part of that is the public persona, the public uh, statements that are given, uh, you know, tolerating dissent, et cetera, blah, 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 may not exactly mirror what is felt behind the closed doors, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think you saw that in the letter. So in one sense, I mean, people will say, well, what else could he do? He told the boss uh, to resign. Yeah. But again, I think... We're going to be asking the question, is this the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning? I really think this is a deeper issue than COVID even. COVID obviously has made it more intense or more brought to the fore. But there has been serious problems in the Kenny world for for a while. And I think they are getting worse. I mean, could you imagine if we were talking this morning about Kenny lets them stay? <laughs> yeah. But the, but I, what I find shocking is that it wasn't 58 to 2 or, you know, whatever it is, 60 to 2, the vote. I mean, the vote was, my understanding, it was closer than that, 
which tells me that uh, the story is not over. So he says he's tolerating dissent. He said he's very open. But there is fundamental problems that if they aren't addressed, I just don't know where this goes. This was a marriage of convenience, the PCs and the Wild Rose. Mm -hmm. And the marriage is in a rocky, rocky, rocky state at the moment. It's interesting. The emails I am getting right now and yesterday are not coming from NDPers, are not coming from socialists who are mad at me. They're coming from PC people defending Kenny. But this is the more interesting part. Calling people within their own party, you know, hillbilly, hick, wingnut, extremist, wild rosers. So in other words, they're sliming the larger of the two parties at the time of unity, the one who had the more seats in the legislature. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as if they didn't realize that the PCs were virtually obliterated in 2015. When I'm getting emails from people, and these aren't trolls, these are people who've got their names on the email, and some of them are in quite prominent positions. And they're basically really, really, really sliming people in their own party. It's almost like a bad day in divorce court. Well, this is the one thing that I wonder about, is that Jason Kenney, in some ways, despite the fact he's not very popular among, <laughs> if you look at polls right now, that what is it that he has to do to deal with this mess? Because on one side, you have people who are, you're not nice enough to doctors and teachers, and you're not nice enough to the environment because you want to let coal miners in, and you're not doing enough on the COVID file. And on the other side... You get some overlap because you get these rural MLAs who are probably concerned about doctors leaving their communities too and are wondering why Tyler Shandro and Jason Kenney were picking a fight with doctors at the start of a pandemic, even if they weren't big fans of the whole idea of pandemic lockdowns and all of that. But, you know, rural communities need doctors. But they also feel that the restrictions are too harsh, that rural communities aren't hit as hard with COVID-19. And so maybe, you know, we don't need lockdowns or mask mandates or any of these things. Like, how does Jason Kenney who, by all accounts, is a pretty smart politician. How does he deal with that rock and hard place that he's stuck between right now? First off, let us hope that we will have the best summer ever and the COVID story starts fading, you know, in the next month or two months or three months, and then that won't be as big an issue. And he's hoping for that so he can do, and I won't call it the Great Reset, but that he will uh, sort of be able to somehow change the channel. The reality is, I've always found it funny with the polls, you know, the polls that say 40% want this, 20% want this, 40% want this. Mm -hmm. Right now, 40% of the population will never vote for Jason Kenney. Never. Yeah. They will rather rip off their vaccinated arm than vote for Jason Kenney. So let's be realistic politically. He is never going to make them happy. He could have stay-at-home orders. He could have curfews. He could have the Edmonton police or the Calgary police patrolling the streets and kicking doors down. And that wouldn't be enough because they'd say we, we haven't given enough money and assistance to businesses or whatever. There'd be some other issue. Right now, what he has to do immediately is focus on his base. Mm-hmm. And I call his base the 55% of people who voted for him and gave him a landslide in the election in 2019. And those people 
whether he likes it or not, included a lot of people in rural Alberta, a lot of conservative people, even in urban Alberta. Why did they vote for him? I hear more and more and more. This is not the Jason Kenney I voted for. Mm-hmm. Where is the blue truck? I don't think they ever believed he was a populist, but I didn't think they believed he was an anti-populist. And I'm not saying he is, but I think there's disappointment because what did he run on? Jobs, the economy, pipelines, fighting Trudeau on the carbon tax. Yeah. Well, he hasn't fought Trudeau very hard in their mind. We were paying a carbon tax, lost that court battle, and they're still deciding what kind of carbon tax we pay. So then we're left with jobs, the economy, and pipelines. Mm-hmm. At some point, the premier has to change. He doesn't have to become the most conservative MLA in Alberta. He doesn't have to become the most conservative leader, but he has to bring these people together. There were premiers who were able to do this, but not in recent memory. The last guy that could do this was Ralph Klein. He had a very big rural caucus. I mean, he had Shirley McClellan, who was his health minister. Mm-hmm. He had Stockwell Day. Mm-hmm. He had Ken Kowalski. He had a substantive rural honor, but he was able to keep the uh, the group together. And in the latter days of him and moving on, that started fraying. And of course, we ended up with Wild Rose in 2008. So he has to somehow bring these people together, whether he likes it or not, because he's not going to get the other 40 or 45%. I really believe they are so incredibly anti-Kenny, no matter what, that they're just gone. Kenny, no matter what he does, is not going to win a landslide in Edmonton in the next election. And it didn't happen with Klein, by the way, initially. So he's got to repair the damage in the UCP family first. And you've got to realize that it was, like I say, a quickie marriage of convenience. It wasn't like the federal conservatives who were founded after years of wandering in the desert. This was very quick. I mean, the election was 2015. Jason Kenney came here pledging unity in 2016. Mm-hmm. And then they got elected in 2019. That's pretty fast. Yeah. And now they have to sort of try to bring the marriage back together again. But I don't think it's going to come back together again by calling everybody Neanderthals. Probably not. Yeah. He has to do something. It's not just that these guys are like some weird external force that's, you know, I'm getting emails today. This is a conspiracy. This is a coup attempt. These are insurrectionists. Settle down a bit here. You know, I am disappointed with Premier Kenny. I was a great advocate of Premier Kenny. I told you, I told people on radio, I told many people, and I wrote that he was the most principled conservative politician in Canada, me. And I'm disappointed. I am surprised we're having this discussion, Dave, two years into the mandate. I would never have believed it if you told me it two years ago. Is it just a case of this is where conservative politics are at in Alberta? You mentioned Klein earlier, and no premier since Ralph has gotten to contest more than one election. Ed Stelmack won a huge majority, is gone before the next election. Alison Redford fends off the right-wing challenge from the Wild Rose, and she's gone amid spending scandals and other issues. Jim Prentice tried to unite the Wild Rose and the PCs, perhaps did it the wrong way, and then the PCs lose to the NDP because the Wild Rose doesn't really go away. Like, 
is it a case that, you know, the base is done with Jason Kenny now? They're fed up with him for any number of reasons, and he's going to go the way of all of those other premiers? Or does he have an opportunity to fix it? Oh, yes, he has an opportunity to fix it. I don't think you're going to get any kind of a fix until the COVID, uh, you know, recedes. So is it fixable? Yes. But even a few months ago, I probably wouldn't have had a, a sure an answer about whether he will survive. I still think there's a very good chance he will be the leader. But I also have talked to a lot of people who think contrary to me, and they may be right, that he could be gone. You know, it would have been interesting if after, even after the ouster of these two people, Kenny had said, you know, you guys want a leadership review. I keep hearing about a leadership review, you know, this year. Let's let's have a leadership vote at the convention, which is in November. Mm-hmm. I wonder what would happen if he did that. I know that's a Hail Mary pass. What if he said, let's clear this up once and for all? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's sort of like those old wrestling matches, you know, Texas death match, loser leaves town. <laughs> and where he just says, you know what? You don't like me. You don't think I'm doing a good job. You don't think I'm listening. You, do, you think I'm bungling the files. You think my messaging is all over the map. Well, you know what? Let's put it to the party in November at our AGM and let's just do it. And then afterwards, I guess I'll either be gone or you'll shut up. Don't think it'll happen, though. No. And, and you know, this may pass. We may be talking uh, a few months from now that this is not as big a deal as it is today. But it's just that I talk to so many people who are not happy yeah. with Jason. You know, there was sort of talk that he wanted another base or something. And I, I, we won't get into that because, you know, who knows what he did or did not say behind closed doors. But the reality is... There, I don't think there is another base out there. When a marriage is on the rocks, you go back to the beginning, when there was a little love, perhaps, <laughs> and try to recover that as best you can. But I'm sure all the listeners here are aware that to repair a relationship in the real world, not a political one, requires, I hate to say it because I hate doing it, a little humility. Yeah. And I hate doing it myself. Well, I mean, we'll see if Jason Kenny can pull the party together amid uh, a bit of a fractious uh, period. Rick, thanks for your time. Anytime. Thank you. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Rick Bell. More from him at calgarysun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.